0: And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com. Joined once again by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, they say that, that free agency comes in waves, and that <laughs> initial wave was <laughs> monsoon-like. And now yeah. <laughs> it is it is the calm after the storm, it feels like.
1: Uh, yeah, a little bit. I mean, certainly, I think there was more activity from the Chiefs than we have seen yeah. recently. Even though it's it's never enough to satisfy fans. I mean, fans <laughs> are always expecting, you know, a whole bunch of moves in the first, you know, twelve hours or whatever, and that's just not the way it's going to work for the Chiefs probably for years to come. Uh, but uh, so we got to get used to that.
0: I didn't expect to go on a, a rant, a diatribe so early here, but. <laughs> Have we not learned anything from last year? What is the panic right now? Yeah. There is panic <laughs> coming in and I think initially fans were okay but then you know you start to see some of the key players leave. Yeah. And mm-hmm. the void is not immediately filled and yeah there are 6 months until the game so it's hard to be preoccupied and and think about that kind of stuff but there is complete panic again, especially from the louder members of the fan base, sure. Chiefs Twitter, mm-hmm. as they like to say. And I, I, just want to go back to last year's free agency when the AFC West was loading up, and the Chiefs were standing pat, being patient, mm-hmm. keeping their being draft calm, picks right. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then what happened? We learned nothing. They won the championship. They mm-hmm. won the Super Bowl title, and so. Yes, I think this is a good part of the podcast. I wasn't even planning on this before we get into anything. To like, if you're worried about free agency, let's breathe. <sighs> it's gonna be okay. I I try to say this every year. Uh, you know, not not to not to belittle anyone, but I try to say this every year. It's a tough time of year because we sure. don't see the full blueprint. This has been mm-hmm. something that I say yeah. where you just see a little bit at a time, and let, I'm telling you, by the time the draft comes around, this is what the Chiefs do. All of those positions of need will be filled to some extent where Mm -hmm. if you had to play that day before the draft you could is it going to be the best team no but this is what the chiefs do this is what they like to do and they're patient and they they wait for the waves of free agency to come back to them if you notice no one else has signed odell belcom jr either for example and so Mm -hmm. i think a lot of teams might be waiting for the price to come down different things like that so yes let's breathe and then now, let's get into our podcast. We got a great show for you today. We are going to, in this first segment, go through the goings, the comings, and the stayings of the Kansas City Chiefs who left, who came to the Chiefs, who stayed from last year that we know of that is going to be part of this 2023 roster. And in, in the second segment, we'll go through the rest of the news, and then we'll end with a spicy flash poll that is actually getting a lot of play on Twitter. Sometimes Ooh, these polls wow. are a little bit dull, but I, I can see that there are a lot of people responding right now to it and so that'll be a nice discussion at the end of the show we get no reviews again thank you to clint mckenzie last week but we already read it we're not going to reread clint's reviews. so if you leave us a rating and a review on apple podcasts we will read it on the editor show we appreciate all the five-star reviews just helps us uh, get the word out about our shows across the Arrowhead pride podcast network our producer steven serta has been doing a really good job feeding the beast and, and getting you guys some information about how the chiefs are attacking this offseason. We got shows throughout the week. And so we will keep it rolling today, John. And we start with the goings. Usually you would say coming and goings, but I, I think it's, it's more relevant to start with the goings today. Orlando Brown, Jr. Leaving the chiefs for, you got to say this, right? It's their biggest rival right now. I don't really consider the Chargers a rival right now. The Raiders, of course, are a rival, but they got to be a little bit better. The Broncos were miserable last year. So go <laughs> to the Cincinnati Bengals of all teams. It, it does feel like an interesting storyline headed into what will be
1: 2023. Yeah, I, but I'm just not. I, I mean, it's it's interesting But, uh, and I I think it's fair to say that they probably made a step forward because their offensive line was not very good. And for all that we have to say about Orlando Brown, which is, which is viable and, and well-earned, he's probably a step forward um, as their left tackle in 2023. So, you know it's a situation that's probably played well played out well for both sides for both teams um this off season i think the chiefs have made a step forward but well, we'll get to that in a second but but i I, yeah. I don't see this as being a thing that's 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 going to make a big difference in the rival re, rivalry between these teams either
0: i I know what you're saying when it comes to maybe the impact on, on the team. I think it does make their line slightly better, but I mm-hmm. can guarantee you that, I mean, this adds to the storyline between the, the Bengals oh, and, yeah. and, and the chiefs. I mean, this is going to be a matchup when these two teams get together again, one day down the road where people are going to be eyeing, how is Orlando Brown jr. Doing? And I, I think obviously there'll be some chatter there. I, I think the key part of what, it adds to the storyline and the WWE part of this is <laughs> this Mike Garofolo tweet that I want to go back to from March 15th uh, at 922 p.m. This is a deal for Brown to play left tackle. We knew about the left tackle obsession here in Kansas City. And then Gar- Garofolo continued. He was adamant he wanted to stay there. Bengals will allow him to do that and play with a contender that could face the Chiefs in the postseason. So this was very intentional that he wanted to – possibly play kansas city in a big time game but in a way i i just question it because i I know this is an expression john but it's like dude you played yourself you had more money on the table more Mm -hmm. security it's one of those cases where you bet on yourself and you ended up having the money dry up on you and you Mm -hmm. had to take a deal that look what is it 31 million dollars in the first two years that's pretty good, I, I think, as a consolation prize. But I got to imagine, John, if, if Brown could go back in time, he would have taken that deal that the Chiefs offered him last offseason. You would think so.
1: I mean, if what he really wanted was security, you'd think he'd want the longer contract. Um, and uh, But, I, you know, I think this is a lesson for him to learn. And there was no other way for him to learn it. Than to actually go out there and put himself out on the market and see what happened as a result, and I think that that's why the Chiefs didn't tender him. I've I've said something similar right here on this podcast before. I think the Chiefs, you know, knew that they believed that he wasn't worth what he was asking, and there was just one way for him to know that because he wasn't <laughs> listening to them, you know, right. and and that was to go out there and and find out for himself. And guess what? He did and uh you know wish him the best he he i think he busted his butt in Kansas City um he just wasn't the guy that the chiefs needed at least not at the price he he wanted to be paid so
0: yeah and like i guess if you're going to go anywhere you you take the chiefs bengals rivalry and butting rivalry out of it you go to a top 5 quarterback in the nfl it's a team mm-hmm. that's on the rise sure. they're going to be mm-hmm. a contender and you try in free agency, it looks like he'll have an opportunity to re-enter free agency in about two, three years here. It's it's unlikely he plays out the rest of that contract because of, of, of the way the numbers are involved. But, yeah, I, I think he made a mistake. I, I think he liked it here in Kansas City. He had found a home. The Chiefs were willing to pay maybe even a little bit more than he mm-hmm. was worth, as we found mm-hmm. out in the open market. And kudos to Brett Veach for Giving a smile and saying, hey, go test it, young man, and being right about mm-hmm. it, right? So yeah. maybe it helps those type of situations in the future. A side story on this. Ian Rapp report this morning said the Bengals have had trade conversation centered around left tackle Jonah Williams as the interest heats up in a player who has 47 career starts. Williams requested a trade following the signing of Brown, and since he has heard from several possible suitors, well, Mr. Williams, if you want to play right tackle, why don't you come over to Kansas City? We have Juwan Taylor moving (laughs) over to the left, right? Let's keep this thing going when it comes to... uh, That's
1: occurred to me that the Chiefs might end up uh, going after him uh, as a trade candidate to put him at right tackle. That's occurred to me. And what a a story that would be for this rivalry. Goodness gracious.
0: Yeah, I think the way it stands now is you're going to have Juwan Taylor at left tackle, at least to start, unless there is something that happens prior to training camp which could be trade assigning etc i mean i don't have to spend another type of trade mm-hmm. for a tackle and then they'll try different combinations see what's working if they go and trade up and, and get a left tackle in the nfl draft like in in the first round maybe they try him at left and one day at training camp maybe taylor's at right one thing that we see at training camp that maybe we're forgetting right now john is like especially at the beginning how many times do you see the tweets as you're from the you're working from the Arrowhead Pride Command Center, and I'm like, this person's at left tackle today. This person's working at right guard. They try a lot of different combinations, and Mm -hmm. I I think maybe we're going to go into camp saying, oh, Taylor is the no-doubt left tackle, regardless of who the personnel is, and then maybe we go up on a Monday, and he's playing left, and then maybe we go up on another day, and there's a different combination, and he's at right, and the Chiefs are just in that process of figuring out, like, okay, what looks – the best here i I think there's a lot of possibility Mm -hmm. going into camp ultimately as it stands now i think the battle is going to be at right tackle between a couple veterans and maybe a rookie that you you get in the later later rounds
1: i agree and and I, i think that um the chiefs are in better shape at tackle than people are probably willing to admit uh niang is a question mark for a lot of fans but the chiefs liked him enough to start him uh, right. before he went through this, this string of injuries that he's had the last couple of seasons. So I think he's got a pretty strong case to be the, the right tackle, uh, coming into this season. And I, I don't think we should count out Prince Tega one I really don't. they, they, the team has hung on to him, uh, for a couple of years and he actually played in a lot of games last year which is more than you can say for Darian Canard, for example.
0: <laughs> this so, is uh, a, I, I, I think you're right. This is a key offseason for both Niang and Prince Teguanogo. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I even emphasizing the Niang point, you got to come to training camp strong and ready. Mm-hmm. This is going to be a golden yeah. opportunity situation. The Chiefs could draft. Let's say they stay at 31, and then they end up taking best player available, and that isn't on offensive lineman they are likely to take an offensive lineman in one of those day two picks mm-hmm. in this scenario. And that player may have an opportunity to battle for it, but that is, you know, if you're taking a player on day two, it's a, let's see what you got. It's not a, we're going to stamp you right. in and be a day mm-hmm. one starter. So that opens up a door for a golden opportunity for Niang. So he, he's healthy. Now he was on the roster, right? He saw a handful mm-hmm. of snaps here and there. Now you come into camp, you're fully healthy. You're stronger team has liked you before, maybe it's finally that year where Lucas Niang is able to break through, and then you have some of these other guys that are are depth, but we have talked about offensive line enough. We're already into the 12th minute of the podcast, and we need to move on (laughs) to something more exciting, like wide receivers and Juju Smith-Schuster. This was a little bit surprising to me, going to the New New England Patriots on a three-year deal. I know the team wanted him back. I know that they were optimistic about the idea of him maybe finding a way back to Kansas City, but I just think Juju Smith-Schuster, though he liked Kansas City, though he liked playing with Patrick Mahomes, turned to himself, turned to his family, likely talked to his agent and said to to the agent, I got my ring. Let's go get that bag. And probably yeah. got the best offer from New England. The Chiefs weren't willing to to match or pay more. And off he goes. And I, I think he was a good fit in Kansas City. I, I think Kansas City liked him. But they saw last year that we can lose – a top two receiver and win the Super Bowl, we can lose a top 20 receiver and figure out a way. So that's where I think they landed.
1: Yeah, I agree. And and I it's always this is one of those deals where in retrospect it all seems obvious, but the Patriots were looking at every wide receiver on the market. I mean, every day, you know, like every hour. There was a new tweet from somewhere saying the Patriots are talking to such and such, and they're looking at such and such player. And they were all wide receivers. It was clear that they wanted to get a good one. And so what a surprise that Miss Schuster gets a good contract offer from the Patriots uh, that is more than the Chiefs were probably willing to pay. And so, again, thank you for your service, sir. You know, we appreciate what you did for us here in Kansas City. Enjoy that money that you're going to get from New England.
0: Juju's one of those players where – it's gonna be an answer to a trivia question 20 years from now. Like who <laughs> who had the most receiving yards for the Chiefs in their their second Super Bowl win in that era? You're gonna be like, who was the player? Because he's only he was only there one year. What was I, his name?
1: Jojo something. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I wonder about this.
0: Andy Reid is famously a player's coach and really leans into the idea of you can be whatever you want off the field. I'm sure he doesn't mm-hmm. love TikToks. I'm sure he doesn't love skits. Uh, but look if that is what makes the player happy, that's what he enjoys coming to work uh, and doing, you know, in his free time, I think Andy Reid's okay. He jokes about it. We saw the clip of may- him making fun of Smith Schuster about how he moves faster in his TikTok. T-t-t-s. That's the <laughs> hidden <laughs> humor of Andy Reid that you get in some of those mic'd up. But I don't think Bill Belichick is exactly a let your personality show guy. No, and I, I, no. I do wonder about the fit. And then I also wonder... And this is just reality. It's like you're going from a Ferrari, as Lewis Riddick likes to say, to a, a beat up Prius in Mac Jones. <laughs> and I just don't know if he's going to enjoy his time there. I mean, I could see it going awry I, who knows if he even plays out that contract right like maybe there's a mutual partner. i just don't see the culture fit and maybe i'm crazy there but i i do think that that is going to be something that comes up in this relationship between bill who is a a curmudgeon and juju who's full <laughs> of positive energy in life
1: <laughs> well i i would just say that we shouldn't be too quick to discount this because i could see how Uh, a receiver like Smith Schuster could be very valuable in the new England offense. I completely agree that on a personality level, this looks like a disaster waiting to happen Uh, because you, you put it exactly right. He's a, he's a player with, with life and vigor and, and all of those things. And he may not fit very well into that culture, but on the field, he could actually make a difference in that new England offense, even catching passes from Mac Jones.
0: And here's the deal, though. TikTok dances are fine when you're on a 14 and three team. When your team is eight and
1: nine, (laughs) you go
0: out in the week in Boston and you're doing a TikTok dance. I don't know about how those fans are going to necessarily react, but good luck to Juju anyway. I think the Patriots are in the slow incline, but just a huge question mark of whether or not Mac Jones is a capable quarterback and John, that is the. Worst question to have when you're an NFL team. So I, it, it's unfortunate. Yeah. I wish I wish you would have found a way to stay in Kansas City. Uh, but you, you do hope, I think, from afar, when the Pats are not playing the Chiefs, that it works out for him. Personally, let's move on to Juan Thornhill. Uh, speaking a guy, uh, speaking about a guy who surprised me a little bit, Juan chooses Cleveland. And not that I necessarily expected Juan to want to stay in Kansas City. I did think he was going to get paid. I thought it was very intentional by the Chiefs, to like Brian Cook in the second round and find a way to to pay less when they knew that Juan thornhill two-time super bowl champ who really came back into his own last year was going to get paid but this is a a man that i thought enjoyed his time in kansas city and he is awfully excited to be heading to cleveland ohio and i i think he's juiced up he's someone that that has a, a chip on his shoulder and i think that for the chiefs they valued thornhill but it just was never a case where they were going to pay anything close to what he got in cleveland
1: well and i think it's pretty easy to see how he would feel the way he feels you know um he when he came back from injury the chiefs rather famously decided to put daniel Sorensen on the field instead of thornhill who had looked spectacular as a rookie before his injury at the end of that season and um, and then, you know, to bring in Brian Cook, you know, clearly the heir apparent at your own position, I could see or or even Justin Reed, you know, the Chiefs, he might have uh, had reason to take offense at the Chiefs not deciding he should be the guy Fair, to yeah. take Tyron Matthews role in the defense. So I, I guess I can see how he might feel undervalued by the Chiefs. I get that but you know this is the reality of playing in the NFL teams are going to do what they need to do to to cover their butts and um uh and i think that's what all of those moves were and if thornhill wants to be you know pissed off about it it's that's okay i get it but uh, it's a business and business moves on
0: yeah i i'm looking right now at at the the contract for for thornhill and it's a 3 year 21 million dollar um Um, contracts and look it 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 was really creatively made the cap hit is not so bad but the fact is that you can just save money when players are on rookie deals Mm -hmm. and brian cook is a player at the end of the year that was really coming into his own and you know we'll see if if he can um you know grab the bull by the horns grab this opportunity and and i i think the chiefs are buying into that We'll, we'll talk about a, a role-player safety that they, they signed to help fill that void in, in just a second here. Last going we need to talk about, John, is running back Ronald Jones, who left for the Dallas Cowboys. I wrote this up yesterday. My feeling here is that Ronald Jones was originally signed by the Chiefs to be a contributor, but they just ended up getting Isaiah Pacheco and Jarek McKinnon later, and that made Ronald Jones a contingency plan where maybe he was supposed to be a contributor. The positive for Dallas is I think he showed some juice in that week 17 game. Do you remember? Mm -hmm. You're like, man, Mm -hmm. Ronald Jones, he can still play a little bit. He's only 25 years old. He's a former 1,000-yard rusher for Tampa Bay. And he leaves Kansas City having touched the football in the regular season 18 times. So he's got fresh legs. Like, <laughs> Would you really be stunned if in that offense with Tony Pollard and now Ronald Jones is probably going to be that change of pace guy with Ezekiel Elliott gone that he puts up numbers and Chiefs fans? You know it reminds me a little bit of what I, I think we may see is that preseason trade where the Chiefs flipped Carlos Hyde and he went on to Houston for to be a thousand-yard mm-hmm. rusher. Now, I don't think yep. Ronald Jones is going to be an a thousand-yard rusher, especially, right, right. especially with Tony Pollard. But Like 600 rushing yards wouldn't surprise me next year for Ronald Right,
1: Jones. And, and, of course, the Chiefs are very likely to keep Clyde Edwards-Alaire as the backup to Pacheco. So that's going to be a, a storyline that people are going to monitor this season is how much Jones gets in Dallas – versus how much Edward Zelaire gets in Kansas City and then you know rate the the transaction that way. But I think the Chiefs would rather keep Edward Zelaire and uh, as a as a backup who's been in the system for a while uh, assuming that they don't get some running back that they like in the draft. Um but I I was it's interesting because this was a this was an example of the Chiefs covering their butts going into the draft last year by bringing in Ronald Jones so they had a guy that could that could serve uh in case they didn't get the player they wanted in the draft and I think they wanted Pacheco in the draft just didn't know if they could get him there in the 7th round so they did and Jones ended up being a guy who was as you called it a contingency plan but more often than not these players don't even make the final 53 I was amused yesterday when I read that Lonnie Johnson Jr. was being signed elsewhere, when I was working yeah. on our free agency tracker, and I thought, "Wait a minute, he was with the Chiefs last year, and he was—he yeah. was signed yeah. as a as a as a roster filling guy, so the Chiefs would be able to go best player available in the draft, and he didn't make the final fifty-three, and and now he's you know signed a contract to be a player somewhere else." So it, it was kind of an unusual situation that Jones actually made the 53 because normally they don't And when in the Chiefs make a move like that.
0: He was not on my projection to make the final 53. I watched him that final day of training camp, and it was really with the third and fourth team. Mm-hmm. You, yeah. There were moments when you were like, and you're like, there's no way Ronald Jones makes this team. They're not going <laughs> to want to keep it. He requested his release in October. The Chiefs didn't grant it, and they wanted him just in case, you know, they were injured at that position, and and he kind of got stuck for a year, but maybe this will be good for him. Rested legs for a year as a running back is not a bad thing, especially when you're still only 25 years old. So I just wonder if there is a resurgence in store for uh, Gildron, who was with the Chiefs and and got his ring, but probably didn't enjoy most of his time here, and I, I can't necessarily blame him for that. All right, so we have gone through, John, the goings. Mm -hmm. Orlando Brown to the Bengals. Juju Smith schuster to the New England Patriots. Juan Thornhill to the Cleveland Browns. Ronald Jones goes to the Dallas Cowboys. Now we're going to get into the Cummings since we last chatted with you guys. And we'll start with Drew Tranquil, linebacker now for the L.A. Chargers. Uh, We had joked, John, that we were looking forward to St. Patrick's Day, mainly me. And what happened on St. Patrick's Day, as I was trying to enjoy some time with my friends, was 14 moves on on St. Patrick's Day. And Drew Tranquil was one of them. And he comes in. He's a 27 year old linebacker. He actually led the Los Angeles Chargers in tackles last year. Right. Mm-hmm. I, I know that tackles yeah. are not everything. We learned that as people complained uh, here and there about Nick Bolton last year, about the value of him as he's just this tackle machine that finished finishes second in the NFL but he had 146 tackles, 95 solo tackles last year for LA. I do like when you dip into the, the, the your the division waters, because there's a little bit of a swing factor there. You do have to play this this team twice a year. <clears throat> we had Nate Christensen, one of our good film analysts, review Trank will, and I'll I'll read his synopsis here. These are Nate's words. If I had to guess Tranquil's role in the Chiefs, I would suggest he takes linebacker Darius Harris's role, which means a one one or two series a game behind linebacker Willie Gay Jr., while also handling dime linebacker responsibilities. Gay is a better player than Tranquil, but the Chiefs haven't been willing to task him with 100% of the snap workload. They like to rotate another linebacker in for a few series here and there. Unlike Harris, Tranquil can... Provide some of the coverage ability and range gauge delivers, so the drop-off in play should be more slim than it was with Harris. As a dime linebacker, Tranquil can be fun. He's by far the best coverage linebacker the Chiefs have had in the Steve Spagnuolo era, and Nate goes on to say that he'd argue he's the best blitzer at linebacker that the Chiefs have had. If he can pick up the playbook quickly, Tranquil can make an impact as the dime linebacker that the Chiefs haven't had throughout the tenure of Spagnuolo as a defensive coordinator. So this is clearly a a value signing for Kansas city. And I know this was a storyline mid season, John about the chiefs and why they continued to play Harris over gay. And there had to be a very clear reason about that. You don't know. Maybe if it was some of the assignment problems, maybe gay wasn't retaining something that Steve Spagnuolo wanted him to retain, and maybe he wasn't as fast as he wanted. They really liked Darius Harris when Willie Gay Jr. was out for the suspension, but he did seem to be, at times, a little bit of a liability in coverage. So when you talk about being a good coverage linebacker and being a good blitzer, of course Steve Spagnuolo is going to be interested, and you get this guy 27 years old, and you, you take him from one division team and you put him on another.
1: You know, we always like to talk about complementary players, at running back and at wide receiver, you know, you've got a guy who can be the third down guy or can be the, the receiver or the pass protector uh, or, you know, wide outs that have uh, that can be really good on the field together. Uh, like Travis Kelsey is a good compliment with uh, uh, Juju Smith Schuster, uh, as we heard last year. Well, the same thing applies here. You want to have linebackers that you can use in different kinds of situations uh, because because that's the way the Chiefs defense operates with all these sub-packages that they dream up, and they put the guys out there in specific situations where they, they think they'll, they'll work the best. So I, I totally get why the Chiefs would want to have a linebacker just like Drew Tranquil. So I think this is an excellent signing by the Chiefs.
0: Yeah, Tranquil goes into a linebacker room now, and, and as I pull up the roster here, John, there is Willie Gay and Nick Bolton. Of course, we have Leo Chenal, uh, Drew Tranquil, and then Jack Cochran, who became a special teams role player guy, and then Cole Christensen, mm-hmm. who hung out on the practice squad all year. We'll see if he can continue to develop. So, you know, you you start to, I think, load up on on defensive players. I know that linebacker wasn't necessarily a need for the Chiefs, but... This is the free agency version, I think, John, of best player available, and there was a good player available, and Steve (laughs) Spagnuolo Mm -hmm. will find a way to use him. She's also acquired Mike Edwards, former Tampa Bay Buccaneer, comes in with seven career interceptions. Caleb James reviewed uh, Mike Edwards for us, and this was his synopsis on Edwards. While Edwards is more likely best to use in sub packages, his abilities could earn him a spot as a starting safety. In 2022, the Chiefs collected only 20 turnovers during the regular season, which ranked 20th in the league. While the team did create turnovers more often in the postseason, ending an opponent's possession by scoring a touchdown can often be the difference between winning and losing. And since 2019, Edwards has three pick sixes tied for first among all NFL players. He's got some Ed Reed to him, John. Mm -hmm, And then David continues, While this unique skill could play an important role in specific games, Edwards' real value will come from his ability to find the ball, stop big plays, and be a reliable, hard-nosed player whenever his number is called. Edwards' signing is mostly about acquiring a player who can adjust from week to week, allowing the, the team to maximize his impact. He also comes with a willingness to tackle. So to me, this is the Chiefs saying to themselves, well, we lost Juan Thornhill. Let's get a value player in here in Mike Edwards, and sure, I think that the Chiefs feel confident about Brian Cook being able to handle this, but he still is only in the second year mm-hmm. of his career. Right. bring a guy in with four years of experience. So if there is still some growing pains with getting Brian Cook involved, you do have a guy that has been there before. This is a little TCB going on here, training camp battle. Uh,
1: because uh, they're going to look and see which of these guys is going to work the best for them. There's a little bit of the complimentary player thing going on here, too, I think, uh, that you know he provides some things that maybe they don't get elsewhere in the safety room. But, uh, but basically, this is going to be the Chiefs making sure that they don't have to draft a safety. This is another best player avail- available in the draft move. We will put a guy there to take Thornhill's place and maybe uh, contend to be a starter, and then we can do what we need. Whatever is the, the best thing to do at any given moment in the draft.
0: Yeah, it was a one-year deal for, for each of these guys. Uh, SpotRack is reporting $5 million on on Tranquil, and then $3 million for Mike Edwards. Other Cummings, the tenders come in for exclusive rights free agent Shane Bouchelle. That was obvious. I, I didn't think the Chiefs mm-hmm. were letting Shane yeah. Michelle go, especially with Chad Henney retiring. We talked a little bit about Prince Winogo. He was also tendered to stay with the Chiefs. I think he is going to be a dark horse in that tackle battle as it stands right now between Niang, draft pick X, and um, <laughs> Winogo. Or if they do draft the left tackle, it, that could be a more complicated battle, right? Because maybe right. they're may be mm-hmm. working... If they draft a the left tackle, the Chiefs, that is going to spell trouble for Mr. Niang and Mr. Winogo, even though he's a mm-hmm. prince, because <laughs> they're going to be very tempted to just leave Juwan Taylor alone and see if if tackle X can do it. And yeah. so mm-hmm. they're going to become more depth players. But it's good to keep the the depth going, right? We we know what happened in the Super Bowl versus the Bucks, and so the Chiefs very intentionally. And uh, by the way, Mitch Schwartz made this point in in the forward of a dynasty begins, which is available now everywhere that that night they decided their offensive line room was going to be eight or nine or 10 players deep rather than, you know, just the five studs with questionable guys behind them. And so this is part of that energy, I think, making sure you, you retain Winogo.
1: A very impressive uh, plug you worked in there, Pete. I'm very, yes. very proud of yep. you there. Very nice, nicely done. Yeah, thank uh, you. Uh, <laughs> I think this is going to be one of the interesting things that we could see happen this year. If the Chiefs end up getting a well-regarded left tackle prospect in the draft, then what do you do? Do you put him at right tackle and put yeah. Taylor at left tackle? So you've got two guys playing out of their normal positions in this coming season but uh and 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 then switch them again the year after that i i don't know if that's the right thing to do i'm not sure you wouldn't be better off having taylor continue to play the right side and put your rookie at left if the left tackle
0: so sometimes i'll bump into chiefs fans and then you know i have some friends that of course are chiefs fans living in kansas city and they're always like well what do you think the chiefs are going to do in the draft like for me my best guess right now is wait for an offensive lineman to fall that they like a, a tackle to be more specific, mm-hmm. a guy that can play yeah. tackle to hopefully fall in the fifteen to twenty five range, and then you see a similar trade mm-hmm. to last year with um, Trent McDuffie, where mm-hmm. you know the Chiefs did not think Trent McDuffie was falling to them or falling in their range. Right? He, he didn't fall there. Right. He right. Fell into the, a possible range where you don't have to sacrifice too many assets to get him. And so, I that's my best guess. And my goodness, if, if there's one thing that Patrick Mahomes will never be able to say in Kansas City, it's that Mr. Tackle X in a trade up gets to walk out in Kansas City, a member of the Chiefs. I mean, how cool of a moment will that be if the Chiefs do trade up not only for a tackle, but for any position? Like, how cool will that be uh, to to come out on that stage and just to instantly be embraced by the community here in KC?
1: Yeah, oh I, I agree. I agree. But I think but I think if that happens the way you're describing, this could be a this could be a lot of ink that we could expend here at Arrowhead Pride discussing how the Chiefs are gonna handle that. Uh, excuse me, electrons. I know hopefully, we don't actually do yes, ink. So hopefully yeah.
0: it's not an offensive lineman. So there's a crowd surfing possibility at Union Station. Right. I mean, I feel like if it's an offensive lineman <laughs> crowd surfing is gonna be run <laughs> down. <laughs> we'll see. But anyway. Long story <laughs> short, that is my best guess for what the Chiefs do right now. Uh I'm sure I'll be wrong because I mean this is a, a far out prediction right, right, and it's so you know, hard to predict yeah. the draft, but we 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 will see. They do choose not to tender who was a restricted free agent Darius Harris doesn't necessarily mean Harris will definitely be gone, but I think we'll see how that ends up playing it, itself out um they they opted not to and you know you, you acquire um Tranquil and you know you could see in, in our review here at AP that that maybe he will fill that void left by Harris so Harris uh, enters free agency there
1: yeah no I agree I, I think that's clearly the thing you need to do if you get a player like Tranquil on the roster is, is let Harris go and that's too bad because Spagnolo said several times last year that they felt that he'd really Earned playing time when he was filling in for Gay, and I think that was part of the equation in why he got playing time after Gay returned, was they felt he'd earned that opportunity. So I think there was a certain amount of regret there, but I, I think in 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 Tranquil they saw a player that could really help them, and and they went there.
0: All right, so we've gone through the Goings, uh, the Cummings, Drew Tranquil, Mike Edwards, Shane Bouchelle, and Takeo Inogo will be back for. What will be 2023? The other stayings, John, are Derek Nottie brought mm-hmm. back on a, I, we believe it will be a one-year deal. Remains to be seen. It's it seen mm-hmm. that way. And then also Nick Allegretti. And so no-brainers and more depth, I think, here than, than anything else in that defensive tackle and then um, inside utility offensive line role.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and Allegretti's been very good at it. And uh, has, has earned the opportunity to, to come back and play uh, after his rookie contract is over. Uh, is a great example of a player who, um, you know, was taken late in the draft. Was he, was he a late draft? I think he is. Um, and, yes. and has uh, become a valuable player on the team. He's not a star. But he's he's more than fulfilled what the Chiefs have invested in him, and uh, I think it's great to see a player like that uh, to make that transition to being a post-rookie contract player. Congrats Chief- to, to Nick Allegretti.
0: Yeah, the Chiefs nabbed, I just looked it up, the Chiefs nabbed Allegretti in the seventh round of yeah. the 2019 NFL draft, so... Just really a continued theme of the Chiefs nailing these sixth and seventh rounders. It's pretty Mm -hmm. fascinating. I mean, not to say that Alec Grady is a world beater. We predict him to unseat a Trey Smith or what would be a Joe Tooney. But Tooney was injured for the first time in his career last year. And just to have a guy that you're like, okay. We're going to be all right for a week. We're going to be all right for two weeks. You know, you don't want Allegretti to start 17 games for you, but that is such a, a value there. And then with Derek Nottie, I think the Chiefs probably had higher hopes for Derek Nottie, drafting him in the third round a couple of years back. But at the same time, it's still a reliable player. And
1: mm-hmm. if he's willing
0: to stay for, you know, what would be decent money in Kansas City, why not continue to, to keep him there to to have a player as a, a run stuffer there next to a Chris Jones? You're looking at the defensive tackle room right now. You have Nottie course, Chris Jones, Turk Wharton, and Danny Shelton. And then who's going to become even more of a positionless player, I think, here in Kansas City is Charles Amenahou, <laughs> who we, we talked about a bit last week. I'm having trouble remembering that it's Omena who. Um, the Chiefs put out a tweet yesterday that I thought was clever. It's like, Omenahu, who? Omena who that's who. Which I'm <laughs> uh, sure not everybody loves, but I, I thought it was pretty good. Okay. Well, you
1: noticed that I dropped him in a, his pronunciation in an article yesterday. What that was largely for you, Pete. So I know. Yes. Yeah. I
0: know what it is. I'm just having a tough time <laughs> locking it into my brain at this stage. So uh, that that's the off-season version of Pete Sweeney. We're not in. We're not nearly in regular season form yet. So let's just keep that in mind. All right. So we have our comings, our goings, uh, and our stayings uh, right here on the Airhead Pride Editor Show. When we come back, we will get into the rest of the news. Stay with us. Back here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show, uh, John. It is a pretty rainy day here in, yeah, in Kansas it is. City. Gloomy, and I like doing the editor show when it's when it's sunny, so you know I could take a nice walk after we we finish here talking to yeah. you for an hour, mm-hmm. but uh, not today because I don't know where my umbrella is, so I won't be doing that. Uh, so we get into the rest of the news here, John. Um, we did have an opportunity last week to chat with Jawan Taylor. And Charles Amena, I'm doing it again. What is it? It's Amena who, right? Amena who, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I cannot get it into my brain. Amena who, <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, Charles Amena who. And, um, and I I took away from the Taylor chat. I kind of predicted this, that he was going to say, I'll play wherever the coaches want me to. But he, he's, you could tell he's just stoked to be in Kansas today. I, I thought my favorite part of the press conference was when, He told the media that as he was playing the Chiefs, that he really, uh, he felt like it could be a home, which is not something that players are always willing to say when they come from Mm -hmm. other organizations. Like, yeah, I played at Arrowhead twice last year, and, and I knew that this was a possibility, but you could tell that he was very interested in Kansas City, and luckily for him, Kansas City was interested in him.
1: Yeah. That's always a a good outcome. Uh, and that that is a little odd. You don't really, that's not a thing you normally hear. You hear people say, I'm just going to play where the coach wants me to, you know, 10 times every season, mostly from rookies. Um, so that was not a surprise, but for, for him to say, yeah, I I thought this is a pretty cool place when I played here. You don't really hear that all that often.
0: Yeah. I, I like that. And then, I ended up doing the the article on Charles. I'm not I'm not getting not getting into that anymore. Um, and my <laughs> my favorite uh, thing about uh, uh, his press conference was hearing about the trade and how the trade from Houston, who had changed regimes and kind of threw him away as a non productive player, flipped him mm-hmm. for a sixth round pick. I mean, you you think about being flipped for a six-round pick. That guy is not supposed to reemerge and be ready for what would be a pretty nice contract from uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. You did an article for us, John, regarding his contract. He'll only cost the Chiefs $5 million right, against their cap for the two-year $20 million deal, but that's still pretty lucrative for for the player, and it becomes an affordable contract for Kansas City
1: yeah, that was actually a nicely designed contract. It took a few days to get those figures, and I think a lot of people were were kind of freaking out about it because you know off the top on a two year contract, you know how do you make a deal like that work where you're not just paying ten million dollars in the first year, kind of like the uh, Marquez valdez scantling uh contract from last year people were really worried about it and it ended up working out okay and this one uh was a pretty favorable deal for the chiefs in the first year and it, and it's not a stupid amount of money in the second year I thought it was a well-designed
0: contract 62 quarterback pressures is really going to bolster the de- defensive line mm-hmm. too yeah right it, it mm-hmm. would have been right behind chris Jones last year uh and ahead of Frank Clark and so you know, I think that that line is improving and and We've we've said it a couple times in this podcast, but I'll reiterate, this is a perfect player for what is a positionless defensive line where you can really line up um, players anywhere. And this is a little bit of old school Steve spagnola where rather than having defensive tackle, defensive ends, just defensive linemen, you don't know where these guys are going to go. And that's really tough to prepare for. Like a lot of times these offensive linemen will try to prepare for certain edge players that might be on their side and, and study them and whatnot. And, and it makes it a lot harder to prepare for the chiefs defense when they could bring all different kinds of, of looks. And I, I believe that that started with Joe Cullen, who was really, I think, masterminded this thing.
1: Yeah, we had a piece, uh, on the site yesterday. I was just looking for it to, um, uh, <laughs> To see, to I could reference it more specifically, yeah. but I, I happen to edit it, so I kind of remember how it played out. But the piece was talking about uh, the number of snaps that Omena who had had at different positions, and the thing that struck me about it was that uh, it's very—he's very much a player in the mold of Chris Jones. The the Chiefs are actually getting a player that they can use sort of the way they wanted to use. Chris Jones was primarily as an edge rusher and the ability to work on the inside. And it didn't work out for Jones, but uh, maybe that's just because he's Jones and maybe Omena, who is the guy that can really make a player like that work. And if that's the case Mm -hmm. to have a player that like that, that they wanted and Chris Jones playing at his best, that's a pretty, that's a pretty good combination right there.
0: I did see that Chris Jones put a picture of Amenahu on his Instagram story. So he's he approves. Jones approves of the the addition there along the yeah, defensive line. Absolutely. The Chiefs are uh on a short list of teams still in the market for Doe Beckham Jr. We know that Beckham had workout a week ago and the Chiefs were among three teams uh remaining that apparently were still interested. I, I tend to think that um Dallas is maybe out now just considering they did trade for Brandon cooks and reworked his contract. They could be happy there. And so we'll see. I, I think as this goes on longer, this plays into a better situation for the chiefs because let's say there's chiefs and another team that was out there was the jets, for example, let's say it gets down to those two teams. I mean, it's going to be a little bit of a battle of NFL chicken where it's like, <laughs> all right, Are you going to pay six million or are you willing to do it? And then I think the longer it goes, it plays into the value of where the chiefs see him. And I I just still tend to think. I'm just going to throw it out there, right, because Odell has tweeted out that he doesn't know where the 20 million dollars came from, but it doesn't want it to be four. So he wants more than four million guaranteed dollars, which if he's showing that he can still play feels acceptable to me. But still, I think Veach would much rather it be like I want like in my mind, I'm like, I wonder if this is Veach offering four million dollars with up to eight million dollars in incentives. Like that feels like a very Veach thing. And because of the not likely to be earned, then that only would cost the Chiefs four million against this year's cap. And even if they're easily hittable because he missed a year of football, right, you could push those that other part of the the salary to the next year. And so I, I just, I think the chiefs are still in this thing, but as they've shown in recent years, they're going to name their price and you're going to either accept it or they're not interested anymore, which Mm -hmm. is a good way to do business. When you have a player like Patrick Mahomes, when you have other guys to, 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 to pay big money. Well, Okay,
1: so OBJ wants $4 million. Okay, good for you. That's what more you than, want.
0: More, more than $4 Yeah, million.
1: more that than $4 million. Like, yes. He wants at least 4000000 million. Let's put it that way. Okay, fine. That's your asking price. That's fine. You get to name your asking price. That's the way the, the system works. But as I always used to say when I was selling stuff on eBay all the time, there's a difference between what people are asking and what it will sell for. And that's the problem that Beckham has right now. His last contract for a single year with the Los Angeles Rams was 1.3 million dollars. Okay, that's it. And if he thinks that he can come off a season where he didn't play at all, and is coming off an ACL injury, that he's going to get at least four million dollars, I think he, you know, needs a reality check, just like uh, the other OBJ needed, the one that we discussed earlier in the podcast. And I think he's going to get one right now. My personal opinion is that the Chiefs are in this not because they want to be a team that's going to pay Odell Beckham Jr. a lot of money. I think they're in this because they want to be completely informed if no other team gets him for the price that he wants and the Chiefs end up signing him for, you know, a million, a million and a half dollars, just so he can get out of there and reestablish himself this year. That's my opinion. I think the chiefs are just waiting for that opportunity to get him really cheap.
0: It's hard for me to judge Beckham. I mean, he is so athletic when he's healthy and he's so sure. good and he's, mm-hmm. and I understand where he's coming from, but he would be better suited in my mind, now that I'm an agent or uh, nearly athletic as Mr. Beckham to take a year, take, the salary and if you're unhappy with that salary play your ass off and I understand right. you're going to be 30, 31 in November you'll be 31 next off season but that could still turn into a pretty big payday for you in my mind. Sure. I, I just I don't know. I and I wonder if he says to himself eventually alright my market was not what it was or what I thought it could be but maybe maybe I could find a team that could get me paid. Oh, look at what Patrick Mahomes did in one year for Juju Smith-Schuster, another Mm -hmm. injured guy. Take the one-year deal, and hey, maybe it goes so well that you're able to work out something with Kansas City next year. But at the very least, you're playing with the best quarterback in the game. You just saw it work on a case study. You don't have to reference back too far with Juju Smith-Schuster to see how he got himself paid. Look, if you're healthy, Odell, you're probably going to have better numbers than Juju had here in Kansas City. I mean, it could be in the, the 1,200 range, especially because of that wide receiver room. You don't know. And then you go get paid, and you go get that multi-year deal, two- or three-year deal next year. I, I just think it it feels no-brainer-ish for both sides, and I I think that it could work out eventually. I I, I tend to think, and we'll get into the, the flash poll in a bit here, but I, I just tend to think that that feels still like the most likely move at wide receiver because it doesn't involve assets as far as draft picks, which is what it would take to go and get uh, DeAndre Hopkins, who the Chiefs have been connected to. And there was some news over the weekend where Des Bryant tweeted out, I wouldn't be surprised if Odell or D-Hop go to the Chiefs. I wouldn't be surprised if both guys go to the Chiefs. And you know who liked it? (laughs) Look look at us in 2023. This is a big-time story. Patrick Mahomes went on his Twitter and he <laughs> liked it, and let me tell you, it created tens of twenty headlines. John, about how <laughs> now it feels like the Chiefs are getting both of these guys. I, I don't think it's a both thing, but I would, I, I, I would tell you that I think it's likely they get one of these guys. I really feel that way right now, uh, but it both feels like this is that's not a scenario that 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 would happen.
1: I'm not sure. I'd go as far as saying i believe it will happen but i could easily see that it could happen and i and i'll just go back to what i said before I, i think that obj thinks he's worth more than the market will pay him and i think the chiefs might be in a position to take advantage of that situation and i think they could do the same thing with with uh with hopkins who is also kind of in that situation he hasn't had a great year the last couple of years some of that's on him you know but um but he had you know he kind of needs to establish himself again as a top receiver in this league and i think that's going to make it hard for the cardinals to get the compensation they want to move him and um so i, I- i'm i'm more inclined to think that if if one of these guys goes to, to the chiefs it's going to be beckham but i don't think it's going to be for a lot of money
0: i that's how i feel too i think it's going to be a very smart well-designed contracts where the Chiefs Mm -hmm. can get him for a low cap number this year, keep it under their cap and have incentives built in that if he's healthy, he will very reasonably hit and that'll be the deal. And he'll come to the Chiefs as, and I I feel this way, you know, and now both of these guys are health question, but wide receiver too. I think they still see Tony as that guy next year, but I think that's a conversation for Another day. When it comes to Hopkins, Ian Rapaport yesterday said, "As the status of star wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins comes into focus, talks are ramping up among the interested teams." Uh, sources say, similar to Brandon Cooks, a trade would likely mean an altered contract. Um, I know that the tweet came from Ian and might as well have been Hopkins' agent because uh, that's who <laughs> gave him this information. That things were ramping up, and we saw no information uh, come through last night. So. Um, We'll see. I think it's just sit and wait on on Hopkins. Both of these guys are are taking their time, quite obviously, and the Chiefs are taking their time, too, and they're not going to do it for, uh, A, paying too much for what would be Odell Beckham Jr., or trading too high of a pick uh, for Mm -hmm. DeAndre Hopkins. And Hopkins would certainly have to come with a reworked contract if he came to Kansas City with all the the players that they're involved with. I want to we're going to burn that next topic, John, and, and go right to Chiefs create 2023 cap space with um, a, a, the bonus conversion on Patrick Mahomes' contract. Uh, and you wrote something else about just the idea that, yes, they made this room for Patrick Mahomes. But when it comes to their draft picks later on in the offseason, they they don't need as much cap spaces as, as people think here.
1: Yeah, the Mahomes. uh break glass in case of emergency uh, contract is what we like to call it around here where the chiefs can just instantly with a stroke of a pen, go create cap space. Don't have to negotiate with Mahomes or anything. It's just something that's already built into the contract. We just changed this roster bonus that gets paid around the beginning of the year, league year into a signing bonus. And then we can spread it across a few years. It took 12 million of the, I think it was 34 million that was available to do that. And turned it into a signing bonus, which opened $9.6 million in cap space for the Chiefs. One of the things that's interesting about this is they didn't take the whole amount. You know, and that uh, is something that's interesting because even if they took it and they didn't need it, they can still roll it into the following year. So that tells us that the Chiefs have a pretty clear idea about how much cap space they thought they needed and they got that amount of space from Mahomes' contract. Could that be because they are on the verge of uh, signing Chris Jones to an extension that will create cap space for 2023? That could be. Could that mean that there's no way they're going to pay DeAndre Hopkins or Odell Beckham Jr. anything close to what they would want? Yes, it could mean that um or it could also mean that they're almost done with what they're going to do in free agency we just don't know but then uh I, i've every year and you you introduced this correctly is this something that bugs me every year uh, that people are talking about well the chiefs are going to need x number of dollars to sign their draft picks no no when the draft concludes the draft picks will have no impact on the salary cap. They won't have any impact until they are signed and most of them won't have any impact after they are signed because of the way the salary cap works in the off season. Only about 1 or 2 million dollars will be needed for the Chiefs to sign their draft picks after the draft. This is a thing that that matters. It's, you know, a couple million dollars is not nothing. But it's not like the Chiefs are going to have to hang on to, uh, you know, $10 million to sign their picks.
0: Well said, John. Thank you for making sure that that the listeners understand that the Chiefs have enough money for the 100th year in a row. I think that's a, a good thing. I want to finish up our, our news roundup with the latest mock draft from Mel Kuyper. Mel Kuyper has the Chiefs actually taking the local player here? If, if you think I couldn't pronounce Charles's name, I'm going to have a tough time with this one. It is defensive and Felix and, and a Duke, D.K. Uz, Uzma. And uh, here's what he says. The Chiefs let Juju Smith-Schuster leave in free agency. And their wide receiver depth chart looks a little thin. He thought about Jalen Hyatt in Tennessee as a new deep threat for Mahomes, but he's going to trust Andy Reid's ability to find contributors just about anywhere. This leads him to the edge rushers and Felix is a player he really likes and wanted to get into these predictions somewhere there's some buzz around NFL teams about him after the combine he had a great workout there and he was super productive in college racking up 19 and a half sacks over the past two seasons Casey replaced Frank Clark with Charles Menehu so Felix likely would be a situational pass rusher as a rookie and we'll see I mean they really I think pretty much instantly plugged in George Karloftis there if they they went in this direction but I always say with these mock drafts to me it's more interesting about the positions and you do a nice job John of rounding up the positions of of where the mocks are pointing to for the Chiefs 38% edge rusher and the next highest position is wide receiver at 19% and offensive line at 19% 19 tied so a lot of people feeling like the Chiefs could go edge rusher in this NFL draft
1: yeah, this is interesting. You know, last year, uh, the positions that were picked by the mock drafts that we picked were kind of evenly spaced between several positions. This year, however, Edge is the clear leader with, you know, twice as many picks as any other position. So I think that counts for a lot when we're looking at these figures.
0: Yeah, and and we'll see. It's just so hard to predict when you're picking number 31. Not sure. that Yeah, mm-hmm. not that it it would be more fun if the Chiefs were picking in the top 10. I guess that particular weekend would be fun, but it's a lot more fun for us when they are picking in the back end of the draft because that means we are covering a lot of playoff games. All right, let's finish up here on the Editor Show with our flash poll. John, this is what I asked the Arrowhead Pride readers and listeners. Choose only one path when it comes to the Chiefs wide receiver room. I gave the options. Sign Odell, trade for DeAndre Hopkins, sign McColl Hardman and DJ Shark, or trade up in round one for a wide receiver. Where do you think most Chiefs fans went?
1: Oh, boy. Uh, I'm going to say signing OBJ.
0: So, this is surprising to me, too, John. In four thousand in votes of four thousand Chiefs fans, signing OBJ came in last. Most really? Chiefs fans would like them to trade for DeAndre Hopkins. That's fifty three point eight percent of uh, Chiefs fans. So every other okay. Chiefs fan, look to your left and look to your right. One of them wants DeAndre Hopkins. Twenty five percent want to bring back McCole Hardman and sign DJ Shark, who's still out there. Probably would be available for an affordable deal. Now we get you two receivers, more role player receivers into that room. 12% say trade up in round one for a receiver and just 9% say sign OBJ. So OBJ is not really in, favor, uh, uh, That's in interesting. The favor of most Chiefs fans, but a lot of them want to see DeAndre Hopkins who, you know, would project as that true number one receiver come to, to Kansas city. I think a lot of Chiefs fans are dreaming about Mahomes to Hopkins. He's certainly one of the, the better players in the league. We'd have to see how his health is and, and, all that but should he be healthy I and mean, that would be an elite um, one-two punch there between Mahomes and Hopkins
1: well you know I guess that shouldn't surprise me you know once again saying you know in retrospect this makes all the sense in the world <laughs> but <laughs> uh, you know fans always want the player that's going to make the most sense on the field and Hopkins may very well be that guy the question is whether or not the Chiefs can afford to get Hopkins and I don't think that uh, as we discussed a minute ago, I'm not sure the Chiefs are in a position that they can really make a deal that'll work for them in order to get Hopkins. OBJ, I think they can make a deal that would work for them. And, of course, all the other options are on are in that group as well.
0: Well, OBJ is build your own contract. Trading for Hopkins is you got to restructure. Yeah. Oh, you yeah. you out with the Cardinals, and it's just a lot yeah. less complicated with yeah. OBJ. But it remains to be seen. I, I will tell you this, uh, so long as it happens at a decent hour of the day, we will jump on immediately if one of these guys comes to Kansas City for an emergency podcast and discuss it with whoever is available here at Arrowhead Pride. Of course, that goes into our Arrowhead Pride podcast network with a great job by Steven Serta, who did a great job on this show today. So thank you to him. Thank you to John. Uh, keep it locked in here. If you leave us a rating and a review which we encourage. We, of course, will read the review right here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's show. You can pick up A Dynasty Begins. It's available everywhere right now, Amazon, etc. Someone left it. Speaking of review, reviews, John. Yeah. Someone, someone bought it on Amazon and left me a three-star review, and it's the only review. So now it pops up on Amazon as a three-star review. So if you if you somehow bought it on Amazon out there, and this is a plea to you, and, and you enjoyed it, just go back on Amazon and hit the five stars for me because it's driving me crazy. <laughs> anyway, that's A, a Dynasty Begins. It's available in a lot of places. So you can get it as well. I said thank you to Steve. I said thank you to John. This has been another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. Have a great day.